All right, if you will, uh, get your Bibles and turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 22. This is going to be uh, a little different than our normal Sunday school. Uh, it's mission conference, and uh, we got two two uh, preachers coming, which means that uh, most of the slots are filled to preach. <laughs> so I will preach this morning. Uh, not because I just want to preach, but uh, I believe the Lord wants me to share this. And it'll be more preaching uh, than teaching. In Ezekiel chapter 22, and in verse uh, 23. And the word of the Lord came, Ezekiel 22, 23. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her that thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor rained upon in the day of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths, and I am profaned among them. Her princes in the midst thereof are like wolves ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. And her prophets have daubed them with untempered mortar, seeing vanity and divining lies unto them, saying, Thus saith the Lord God, when the Lord hath not spoken. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. They have pressed the stranger wrongfully. And I sought for a man among them, that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Therefore have I poured out my indignation upon them. I have consumed them with the fire of my wrath. Their own way have I recompensed upon their heads, saith the Lord God. I want us to uh, focus this morning on verse 30 where God says to Ezekiel, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. And so we find uh, Ezekiel 
being spoken to before the Babylonians come down and conquer Israel and have the judgment of God upon them for 70 years. God is saying that he uh, is seeking for someone. He might give them more time, that he should not destroy them. And a lot of the circumstances in uh, Ezekiel's day uh, really uh, correlate to our day. Verses 3 and 4 of this chapter talks about how they shed blood. Uh, murder rate in America is horrible. I don't know why anybody would live in Chicago. Uh, Seth and I were talking yesterday. It's, I find it interesting that the cities where the mayors strongly, uh, you know, want gun control uh, are Democrats. And, uh, and I think if you would take a survey of all the cities with Democratic mayors, you'll find that the murder rates are horrible in those cities. But they're looking for, uh, the, the world is messed up. In verse 7, it talks about how that the family is affected. Uh, in thee, they set light, my father and mother, in the midst of thee shall they, they dealt by oppression with the stranger. Uh, the holy things have been violated. In verse 8, thou shalt despise my holy things and have profaned my Sabbaths. Uh, I know I date myself, but uh, when I grew up, uh, no stores were open on Sunday. There were some, actually some states that w had laws against working on Sunday. It talks about sexual sins in verses 10 and 11. It tells us there in verse 26 that, that the religious leaders could not uh, show or make a difference between that which was holy and that which is profane and that which is clean and that which is unclean. And God said that I'm looking for a man. I'm seeking for a man among the inhabitants that should stand in the hedge and, uh, and make, up the, make up the hedge and stand in the gap. And when it talks here about standing in the gap and making up the hedge, uh, militarily it would be where uh, a battle line has been broken and there's a hedge in the, in the battle line or there's a, there's a broken, brokenness in the wall uh, of a city that's walled. There's a weak place, there's a gap that's opened up and the enemy is about to pour through and conquer the city and God said, I'm looking for someone that would stand there and defend and fight for and, and make up the hedge that's broken down until things could be changed. It would call for a, a man of courage. It, it would call uh, for a man, uh, someone to play the man in our feminine society that, that God is looking for men that will stand in the gap and make a difference. Spiritually, uh, we would know that, that uh, there is a great gulf fixed between God and man, that sin has separated us from God, that 
God must judge sin, that there needs to be a, a mediator between God and man to bring us together. And, and we know without a doubt that uh, Jesus Christ did that, that he's the great mediator, that he uh, brings men to God, that we who are sinful and ungodly and our sins separate us from God, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that Jesus Christ came and he stood in the gap. He made the difference. He, re, he because of his redemption and being willing to pay for our sins, he plugged the hole in our life that would have allowed the wrath of God to, to fall upon us. And there's lots that can be said about that. And uh, that's uh, most of you that are here this morning understand that. If not, know for surety that unless you're born again, that the wrath of God abides upon you, that you absolutely need Jesus Christ shed blood to make up the difference. We're dead in trespasses and sin, and only Jesus Christ can, can bring us to God. But let me return to this and say to you that God is looking in this day, we find the nature of God, we find the heart of God, and I think if you study God out at all, you're going to see that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And just as God was looking for men in the day of Ezekiel, he's looking for men today. That uh, he wants men that will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. And I want you out here that, you know, though I'm not excluding half of my audience this morning, and we do have the example of Esther who stood in the gap for her people in the book of Esther as a woman. But God here says that he is seeking for a man, and I sought for a man among them. Just one man. He didn't say men, but he sought for a man singular, that, uh, that the idea that's being promoted here is that one man can make a difference. That we don't need even the whole church involved, though we would desire that. That we don't need a great company of people but one man, one person, that God actually can take one person and change the world. And one person and change a home. One church person and change a city. One man said, it's an unusual thing, but history has shown that an institution or a nation or a movement has always been the link in the shadow of a man. In World War II, when Germany was blitzkrieging, rapidly conquering countries, and they set out to conquer England, 
and bombing and knew that it was going to be a long, drawn-out affair, history clearly tells us that it was the shadow of one man, Winston Churchill, who held the day and encouraged his people time after time. And because of his influence, because of his bulldog tenacity, and because of his leadership, because of his willingness to stand in the gap, history was changed. In the early history of mankind, there was only one man, the Bible says, and Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And Noah and his family spared the destruction of mankind upon the face of the earth. In the history of Israel, it's a very terrible time when King Saul was, was in office or in leadership of the country, of the kingdom of Israel. And the Philistines were invading. They, they were conquering. They were winning the battle. And the Philistines had a great hero among them by the name of Goliath who was unconquerable. He couldn't, he, when he would come out on the battlefield, the, uh, the children of Israel would flee from him, fearful. And one young lad went down carrying food for his brothers that were in the army. And as he gets there, Goliath comes out and David questions about what's going on. How can he do this? How can he defy the name of God? And his brother said, you naughty boy, you should be back home taking care of the sheep. What are you doing down here? And of course, he went down there because his father sent him with cheese and raisins for the army. And one man, a young man, said, is there not a cause? And one man stood in the gap. And one man went out and with the hand of God upon him destroyed Goliath and history was changed. One man. God said, I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me. And so God is looking for men to stand in the gap in behalf of others to make a difference. We know that only Jesus can save souls, but God has given to us the privilege of carrying the gospel, which is the power of God and the salvation. And that faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And when, when the Bible says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge, it implies that the reason God is seeking that is because he wants to extend the history of Israel. That he wants to, he wants to reach out in mercy. That he wants to have something take place that he could extend a little longer his mercy. If only uh, one man would stand in the gap, 
he would stay his hand. And so surely we can see here that God works using us as a means to the end to accomplish his will. And that what he does is not Calvinistic in that it's determined and will be done, but God chooses to work his will uh, through the means of man. And that God's people need to stand in the place of others. Our job is to stand in the gap and pray for others. Our job is to be ambassadors for Christ. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us. We pray you, in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And so, dare I ask the question today, where are the heroes that are standing in the gap for others? I believe that we live in one of the most self-centered societies of our history. And God says, I'm looking for a man. Someone will stand in the gap. In the war between the states, the Union Army surprised the Confederate Army there in Virginia at the head of the Shenandoah Valley in July of 1861. And the Confederate Army fell in disarray there on the battlefield, began to flee. And General Lee, there along the lines of the Confederate Army, saw General Jackson standing on his horse and standing. And he cried out to the troops, look, look, there's Jackson standing like a stone wall. And they rallied, and the Battle of Bull Run was won that day by the Confederates. And we know that Jackson became known as Stonewall Jackson. And actually, he was a Christian. And General Lee said of him at the end of the war that, he lost the war because his right-hand man had been killed in the battle, in a battle. And so what I want you to understand is that God is looking for someone who has a vision beyond themselves. They have a concern beyond how much money they make an hour. They have a concern beyond what their house is like. They have a concern that goes beyond their own self-interest. God's looking for a man to stand in the gap for his family and for his friends. God's looking for a man that will stand in the gap for a people group. And don't think that this cry here and this petition and this thing that God has presented to Ezekiel for the people of Israel 
Don't think that it's not an urgent matter. The enemy's at the door. Satan uses the world and the flesh and himself. And we have a battle that we're in. And it's a battle not just for Republicans or Democrats or democracy or, or uh, ruled by one man. But it's a battle for the souls of men. It's a battle that's a spiritual battle. And there's a weak point here in the wall. God realizes that. And in this statement, God is implying that, that there's, there's some areas that have broken down. And let, let me say to you this morning that Satan absolutely knows the, the weak areas in the walls of my life. And he knows the weak areas in the walls of our church and in our kingdom. And, and uh, Satan never called a, a truce. He's always on the offensive. He knows where to strike. And so don't think this morning that these issues, spiritual issues that face our family, that face our church, that face our nation, that face the people groups of this world, it's not desperate. The Bible clearly makes it evident that the heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked, and there's a battle that's taking place there that only God can, can uh, aid in. And so as I begin to go through the word of God and I begin to consider this thing about standing in the gap, I see that it was a shadow of one man. Time after time, it's, it's one individual that his, the length and, uh, of his shadow uh, to, so to say, affected his generation. I find Abraham, way back there in the book of Genesis, standing in the gap, and he's interceding there. Remember, as the two angels come down, and one obviously is Christ uh, in his pre-incarnate state, and Abraham begins to bargain with God, and he said, well, you spare it for so many people, and we spare it, and finally it gets down to a certain lower number of people, and God said, I'll, I'll spare it for that. And what he was doing is that he knew that his nephew Lot lived in Sodom and Gomorrah, and he knew God was going to have to, to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, and as a result, he pleaded with God. If Abraham uh, hadn't stood in the gap, who would have? He, God was looking for a man. He, was, he went there, I believe, actually to give Abraham the opportunity to plead uh, for Lot. And, uh, and Abraham's prayer made a difference. We already talked to you about David. David going down and seeing the situation and saying in his heart, something must be done. And this uncircumcised Philistine cannot blaspheme our God. Is there not a cause? My belly is full of, of uh, conversation about how wicked 
Joe Biden and the Democrats are. My belly is full concerning the COVID restrictions and how our freedoms are being taken away from us constantly. Can we not see this morning that our nation is in one of the worst states that it's ever been? But God has allowed us to be here. Is there not a cause? We're here for a purpose. And it's not to whine about our leadership. It's to stand in the gap and make up the wall. Hold the truth high. Not lower the flag. Not turn and run. And not even to say, I don't care anymore. Because when you say that, I know you do. Because there's people's lives are at stake. I was going to close with this, but, but with Esther, Mordecai called Esther down. She's the queen of the Medo-Persian Empire. The decree has went out to destroy all the Jews. And Mordecai looks at Esther and he says to Esther, Who knoweth where thou come to the kingdom for such a time as this? Listen, I'm convinced that I'm 71 years old today and still alive and kicking because God has a purpose for me. And it's more than just multiplying wealth. There's a gap to be filled. God is looking for a man who will stand in the gap. Away with this feminine society in which we live. Away with this feminine Christianity in which we're engaged in. God wants a man. Where is the man? Where are the men? David made a difference while the king of Israel trembled. David stood in the gap and history was changed. Look at the example of Paul who stood in the gap in the book of Romans chapter 9 Romans chapter 9. In verse 1, I say the truth in Christ, I lie not, my conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were a curse from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. Here's a man that was standing in the gap for his people. And uh, I'm afraid today, if I know David, I know Paul had a life. He had friends. He went about, I don't think that his chin was dragging the ground constantly. But he says, I have a great heaviness and continual sorrow in my heart. If we had a person today who had a continual sorrow in their heart, they'd make an appointment with a psychiatrist. But Paul had a continual sorrow. He was standing in the gap. And it says in chapter 10 and verse 1, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. 
For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. And so he's standing in the gap and praying. And, we, and I believe that he made a difference. When we get over to the book of Acts in chapter 13, it says, Now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. Here Paul is even used of God in, in Acts chapter 13, and many Jews believed. We find the wording in Acts 14, and it came to pass in Iconium that they went both together into the synagogue of the Jews, so to speak, uh, and so spake, and a great multitude, both of the Jews and also of the Greeks, believed. And we find similar things said again in Acts 17. And some of them believed and consorted with Paul and Silas and devout Greeks, a great multitude of chief women, uh, not a few. And so, so he made a difference. The standing in the gap. And, and here's, what, uh, here's what I'm trying to get at today. If you're alive and kicking and you're saved and you have a relationship with the Lord, God wants to use you. That we're here for a purpose. That, that our existence is more than just a painting of wealth. That God has saved you for a reason. And he's looking for a man that would stand in the gap. I want you to notice the great, uh, the great passage concerning Paul, I mean, uh, concerning Moses. In Exodus chapter 32, Israel has sinned against God. They've worshipped the calf. In Exodus 32, i got to hurry. I'm on a time restriction here. Uh, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, and the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. And the whole story here is that when he comes down, he sees that they're worshipping the golden calf. He throws down the, the, the tablets that the Ten Commandments was on, and uh, he, he is in a bad, he's upset, and God's going to judge them. And then in verse 31, I want you to see here something. And it came to pass, uh, I mean, the verse 30, and it came to pass on the morrow that Moses said unto the people, ye have sinned, a great sin, and now I'll go up unto the Lord and peradventure I shall make an atonement for your sin. And Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin, and they've made them gods of gold. Yet now, if thou wilt forgive their sin, and then note that strange thing here in our Bibles, a line. Lord, if you'll forgive them their sin, whatever you're going to do, I can't ask for anything else. And if not, blot me, I pray thee, out of thy book which thou hast written. And God goes on and says, I'm not going to blot you out because you can't pay for their sin. But we find a heart of a man who stood in the gap, who was willing to sacrifice his own life for his people, that he felt like that he was responsible. Go over to Psalms 106 
and verse 23. Psalms 126, 23. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses his chosen stood before him in the breach. That Moses stood in the gap. And he would have destroyed them. He said, well, he promised the children of Abraham that he'd raise up a kingdom. Well, Moses still a child of Abraham. He could have raised up a great kingdom through Moses' descendants. Therefore, he said that he would destroy them. Had not Moses, his chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. The Bible testifies here that, that Moses made a difference in this situation. The Bible says here that Moses' intercession turned away the wrath of God. And we can, out, we can argue all about the sovereignty of God and what's taking place here, but nevertheless, the Bible gives credit to Moses making a difference. That God, as he seeks for a man to stand in the gap, he's looking for a man. W.A. Criswell, who was pastor of the First Baptist Church in Dallas, uh, told this of a man by the name of L.R. Scarborough, uh, Scarborough wrote this book with Christ after the lost and ever, ever, ever godly preacher should have it. Uh, I'm not saying they're ungodly if they don't have it, but every preacher should have it, and it wouldn't be wrong for you to buy it. And he says this, Scarborough was in a town in a revival meeting, staying in the home of a family, and that home were two boys. And one day the mother said to the preacher staying in her home, that she couldn't understand why it was that other boys in the families of the town were being converted, but her boys were not. Other boys were being moved, but hers were not. Other boys were under conviction, but her boys were not. And the preacher said, may I say a plain word, and you would not misunderstand, and you would not be hurt? And she said, I'd love to have you speak, say it. And he said to her, the reason your boys are not burdened is because their mother is not burdened. The reason your boys are not under conviction is because the mother is not under conviction. The reason your boys are dry-eyed is because the mother is dry-eyed. And it went home to her heart, and that night she prayed up, she stayed up all night long praying and wept before God for her two boys. And the next morning at the breakfast table, the younger boy asked to be excused and went out beyond the barn. And soon came back and said, Mother, last night, you thought I was asleep, but I heard you praying for me and weeping before the Lord. And mother, I've given my heart to Christ. I'm saved. And the preacher said at the 10 o'clock service the next morning in the middle of the sermon while he was preaching, the older boy stood up and going to his mother said, Mother, I can't wait until that man is done with his sermon. Last night I heard you praying and calling my name and weeping before the Lord. And mother, I have found the Lord. I've been saved. And so I'm simply, I can't, we're not, we, we don't preach that you can pray a person into heaven. But surely we ought to preach that our children should know that there's a hell to be feared. And that the wrath of God abides upon them. And so standing in the breach 
interceding for another in the ministry that we can share in. We may not all call to be generals or missionaries. We may be privates. We may not be tall, towering trees as the Sitka spruce. Uh, we may be shrubs. We may not all be called to be the hub of a wheel, and we might be spokes. But however humble our station, God has given us a ministry and expects us to stand in the gap. And uh, I've given you a handout, and we're not going to read it. I just want to point out the yellow highlighted. So back in the 1700s in America, and if you study, if you study America in the 1700s, it's an ungodly place. We kind of think, you know, that all the Puritans and all the settlers in the early history of America, they were all really good guys. They weren't all good guys. But this guy named Subo Stearns went into Virginia. And just to sum it up, in 17 years, Jubal Stearns wasn't even a Baptist when he got saved, but when he studied out and uh, you can see clearly that infant baptism has nothing to do uh, with the Bible. But in the highlighted portion on the third page, in 17 years, Sandy Creek, that's the church that he started, Baptist Church, has spread its branches westward as far as the Great River, Mississippi, from Virginia all the way to Mississippi, southward as far as Georgia, eastward to the sea and the Chesapeake Bay, and northward to the waters of Padawak, it, 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 in 17 years, become mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother to 42 churches from which sprang 125 ministers. One man. God was seeking for a man. And Shubal Stearns said, I'm the man. The rest of the history is kind of sporadic here, but it talks about a man by the name of Milton Martin who just died last year. Brother Martin preached here a number of years ago. When I was a young man, I went to Mexico, and he talks about how that he would drop literature every place and drop it out of the airplane, and he would throw it out, uh, out of the rig. And I was riding with him one day, and we were going down the road, and we were just throwing tracks out the window, and the, and the Mexican uh, natives in that area, uh, this would be back in the 60s, they would, <laughs> actually, they would run to pick up the tracks, to read the literature. But the last phrase on this, Martin served for 40 years in southern Mexico and was responsible for the establishment of over 200 congregations mainly among the Tolstoy Indians. Now, the very first thing that Brother Martin would say would take that last line off because God did it. And he did do it. But he did it through a man. And God is seeking for a man this week. And, and, and see, what I think is that we read these things and we, Jubal Stern, 1700, Milton Martin, well, he's dead and gone. 
But this is what I'm trying to say here this morning. It's relevant for today. We're going to have a missionary here this week by the name of Jeff Lang who went to Thailand and he wanted to reach the, the Thai people, but he came across a, a Hmong group that were living in a refugee camp, camp from Laos. Or Laos. They had fled Laos because the Hmongs cooperated with the United States government in the Vietnam War and the communists didn't like them. And there in that refugee camp, a man stood in the gap, Jeff Lang, and he preached them the gospel. And a great revival took place in a refugee camp. And Brother Lang, I'm sure this week will tell us, but eventually the Thai government said, you can't stay here anymore, you have to go back into Laos. And many of them were fearful that when they went, they'd be arrested and, and executed. But they went. And the churches have been established. And the length and the shadow of what God has done through one man is growing. God did it. You see, it's not that God is pushing, pushing all, the, all the responsibility upon us, but God said, I want a tool. I want a man who I can use. I want someone who will stand in the gap. I want a man that will go for me and make up the difference. I believe we have such a man as a member of our church today, Noah George, who's standing in the gap for the Muslim people of Lebanon. And today we heard Noah's voice on, a, on Pastor's phone and how that the man whose wife is in Syria has committed herself to follow Jesus and the men have, have uh, the two that he's discipling are requesting baptism. I knew, my, I knew not my, my grandfather. I, I knew of his family. His brother, Elmer Humphrey, was a professor at the University of uh, Idaho. He was in World War I, and he was a major in the World War II. And uh, his, his family grew up. They were well-educated. His boy became a doctor. His, he died in a plane wreck. And his brother, uh, James Elvin Humphrey, went to Oregon and just wanted to be a rancher and a farmer and married my grandmother and uh, struggled. And it was back in the, the early 1900s, and it was a rough time. And he became partners with a man by the, by the name of Boyd Owens. And Boyd Owens talked to him about his need to become a Christian. And my grandfather was saved. And my grandfather would kneel by his chair in the evenings after his giving a devotion. And he stood in the gap for his family and prayed for his family and prayed that he'd be saved. And died of a heart attack when he was in his 40s. And my dad, as the oldest son, was saved out of that. And I believe that his standing in the gap has resulted in me standing here today. And so Ezekiel 
said, I'm seeking for a man who will stand in the gap and make up the hedge. I got six minutes, but he found none. And so I want to just close out today by noticing something about these men. First of all, I find in these men that stood in the gap, I found that they had an old God spirit about them. Abraham, when he pleads with God, standing in the gap for, for Lot, that's there in Sodom and Gomorrah, he said, oh, let not the Lord be angry. It's one thing to say, Lord, uh, you know, bless Brother Noah today and, and Ahmad and Ahad. And I don't remember all the names. But uh, bless them today, Lord. And you see, it's quite another thing for me to bow my head, to bow my heart and say, oh, God, work in the hearts of these men. That they had an old God about them. That this thing about staying in a gap is not just an everyday thing. It's not just a nonchalant thing. It's a thing that ought to grip our hearts and it's a thing that ought to cause our hearts to say, Oh God, won't you do something? Oh God, work in this place. There's too much, listen, there's far too much dry-eyed religion and independent Baptist churches. Souls lie in the balance. And I'm going to stand, I need to stand in that gap with a heart that, 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 oh Lord, enable me to do what you want me to do. Oh God, without you working, nothing's going to be accomplished. There's too many conversions today that are conversions by men, but oh God, you got to do it. Lord, I'm helpless. Lord, I'm willing to stand here, but you're going to have to stand behind me. You're going to have to strengthen my heart. They had an old God about them. When, 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 when Moses went before God there and God was wanting to destroy Israel, he, he said to them, he said, Moses returned to the Lord, and the Bible says, Oh, this people have sinned a great sin. Oh, speaks of astonishment. It speaks of pain. It, it speaks of pleading. God, help me. Oh, God, help me to reach my friend. Oh, God, help me to give a witness today. Oh, God, it shows our, it shows our, our, our inability, but it shows that, that we have a God who has ability and that we're pleading with him. And, oh, God, I want to do this. I feel like you want me to do this. But, oh, God, oh, God, without you, I'm nothing. Have we lost our old God? I'm afraid as I look across independent Baptists in America that they, churches have become businesses. And we program ourselves for success to increase the numbers. There's a great difference between, Lord, help Noah and pleading, oh God, work with him. Also, you see something, not only do you see an old God, but you see a sacrificing spirit when Moses said, Lord, if they won't, if they won't turn, then uh, 
take my life. Paul said, of the truth in Christ I lie not. My conscience also bear me witness in the Holy Ghost that I have a great heaviness, continual sorrow in my heart. For I could wish that myself were accursed from Christ for my brethren, my kinsmen according to the flesh. Is there any such thing as that pass between us and God? Do we ever have the idea, Lord, I'd be willing to, to give my life, to, to, to give away my salvation, if they could receive that. And then, not only an old God and a sacrificing spirit, but what I find is, uh, it seemed to be at the moment the only person that could stand in the gap was them. Who, I realized, you know, when, uh, when Mordecai said to Esther, you know, you're here, <laughs> who, who better to stand in the gap for our people? I mean, who knows whether God has come or brought you to the kingdom for such a time as this? But if not, God's able to raise up someone else. But listen, who was going to pray for Lot if it wasn't Abraham? It was that, he, was, he was brought to that point that, that it was him that was going to pray for them. Who was, going to, who was going to stand for the children of Israel if it wasn't for Moses? I don't know all the history of Jubal Stearns, but it seems to me that he was the man of the hour prepared for the gap standing. The Milton Martin seemed to wind up in Chiapas, Mexico, at exactly the right time when a, when a man from the village came into town at exactly the right time, and in the great marketplace where he was just passing out tracks, that this guy got it exactly at the right time. They took it and read it. It was moved on his way back home with his donkey back to the, his village exactly at the right time. And that Milton, not even actually knowing all that's going on behind the scenes, was standing in the gap. If Jeff Lang hadn't stood in the gap for the Hmong, who would have? The Catholic priest? The Hindu priest? Who would have? If I don't stand in the gap for those that I know who are my friends, who's going to? Do you pray for my lost relatives? I don't even know yours. But God wants us to stand in the gap. And so, he said, I sought for a man among them to stand in the gap and to make up the hedge. And I found none. 
And so I asked myself, Humphrey, uh, what's, your, what's your priority today? Well, I'm just going to try to manage my money a little better and see if I can hold on here, stay healthy, and maybe I can make it to 90, hopefully to 72. But I'm in a maintenance mode. And he says to my heart, uh, maybe it'd be better to burn out than to rest up. Maybe you need to check your priorities again. Humphrey, what are you, what are you doing that's going to make a difference in eternity? So I have to come before the Lord. I, 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 let me rephrase that. I don't have to come before the Lord. I get to come before the Lord. And I get to bow before him. And I get to say, Lord, here am I. I want my life to count for eternity. I want to stand in the gap. I want to be faithful to pray for my last family member. I want to be faithful that when I stand and try to teach here that it's not mechanical. Lord, I want your hand upon my life. I want you to get glory through my life. And Lord, whether I'm a tall or a shrub. I want to be right where you want me to be in the moment you want me to be there. And Lord, by your grace, help me. Forgive me for sin. Forgive me for self-centeredness. And as I mentioned, our nation is one of the worst places it's ever been in my 71-year history. Hallelujah. I'm in a time when I can make the greatest difference. Listen, now listen, and get this in your heart and mind and understand we're here for such a time as this. Not to be mully-grubby, not to say, oh, me, oh, my, woe is me. But to claim the promise that the gospel the power, is the power of God and the salvation. And as the Bible says that his word never returns void. And I want to, if I'm going to go down, I want to go down. With my sword, if this is the gap, I want to go down with my sword in my hand, waging a good warfare. It's time to be me. You're dismissed.